Fanning. Weekends on 2FM. Now on the show recently we've been taking a look at some Irish tracks that have become classics in their own ways over the years. We've had songs to the likes of the Frank and Walter, Something Happens, The Thrills, Dahi, The Saw Doctors, etc. So it's a chance to look at the story behind the song, if you like, the making of it and um, what that time in their career was like for them. And today, let me find it here now in front of me, here it is. It is this song. Are you ready? Here goes. Oh my, 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 oh my, 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 oh my, 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 if you like. Oh my, 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 oh my, 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 if you July from Mundy and the man himself is with us now on the phone. Um, Mundy, um, this is a very unfair one, right? What's the song about, Mundy? <laughs> Um, I guess it's about a summer's day that uh, where everything's going right, and um, it's uh, just yes, yeah, just one of those days where you're kind of going right. I woke up on the right side of the bed, and uh, it's a homage to a, a wonderful, glorious hot day in Ireland, I suppose. Okay, I'm going to ask, like you know, do you remember writing it? And please don't say no. I want you to remember writing it and tell me the full story, or make it up if you don't know. Right. Well, I can I can do both of those things. Um, but yeah, no, I wrote the song kind of around a guitar arpeggio that I so I was living actually in a flat in Marlow Road in Ranland number 79 to be precise in the basement and um, yeah at night time uh, I used to kind of just you know twink, tinkle away on the guitar and I was learning how to finger pick and then this uh, arpeggio thing arrived and it sounded very summery to me you know it sounded very positive and at around the same time um, do you remember that big homage to Perfect Day to Lou Reed yeah, I think uh, BBC oh, the BBC did it, did it with all the different singers doing a line. Yeah, exactly, and that was on the television, you know, all the time. And so I kind of wrote July as a um, the opposite to that, a kind of a. And I'm a big Lou Reed fan as well, but I just thought, you know, I, I would make it a little bit more cheerful. So there's a there's a little bit where so I go, July, please. It looks like another perfect day. That's where I kind of I'm, that's where I tip my hat to Lou in that. But um, yeah, it's just. Um, Loads of different kind of uh, Im- images that come. It's kind of like snapshots, I suppose, uh, with your mind, like if you were a camera, you know, you're just kind of seeing all... OK, well, let's take a look at where you are and were. Let's go back, first of all. The first one was Jelly Legs. That was the album in 96, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. OK, and then, like, that was... was To You I Bestow on that? That's the one, yeah. Yeah, so and then if it was on that, nice it was guy. then, of course, on the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack, which sold about 4,000 million copies. And did yeah. it make you a millionaire, Monday? Um, no. <laughs> but uh, it kept me going. I mean, when yeah. when you're... 21 and you get, you know, some uh, yeah. loot into your bank account. It's, it's a lot at the time, you know. And uh, when you say 21, I mean, if you came, for, like you were from Burr, right? Right, yeah. In County Offaly. And you came to Dublin at about, what, 17 or so? And you got a deal with the yeah. record company a few years later. Did it all, was it a plan and it all worked out properly? No, well, in my mind, I was going to find a bunch of musicians and we were going to be a band. And then I was going to start looking for this stuff when I was about 24, 25. But uh, it all happened a lot quicker than that. And... Um, I think uh, the fact that I, I was going out with a girl for about three years, we broke up and I wrote a bunch of songs to you. I was still being one of them, Gin and Tonic Sky. And I think yeah. uh, my, I, I suppose my, the quality of song went up a bit because of the, this breakup, you know. So uh, I think that was a big help in hindsight. It wasn't great. It wasn't a great feeling at the time, but, you know, in hindsight, it was part of the journey, you know. Yeah, and the music was really happening because I put the second album, 24 Star Hotel, and then the third album was, uh, was that Raining Down Arrows? Yeah, yeah and then it, yeah. They, that, that was made in Austin, Texas, and got a, another number one in Ireland. The previous one I mentioned was the Triple Platinum. Everything was going very well, wasn't it? 
Yeah, so um, I was on a roll, but I think I was part of a wave of, you know, there was a surge of Irish artists, um, you know, doing really well. You know, you had Damien Rice, The Frames, David Kitch, you had Gemma Hayes, you know, a whole a whole load of people uh, doing really well. And we were all kind of, um, it was all happening at the same time. David, I think David Gray's White Ladder would have kicked off shortly around that time. Um, well, previous by about a year, but you know the singer-songwriter thing started becoming kind of almost trendy, I suppose. And uh, record labels have probably let go a lot of singer-songwriters, and then all of a sudden it kind of backfired um, from their end of things. But, uh, um, yeah, so it was a great time. And just going back even further, the music for you—I mean, like you, your first album was. Um, well, let's see. Oh yeah, you bought Shake and Stevens. Do you still have it? <laughs> Well, I that was when I was five. Now I had that on cassette. Oh uh, right. Okay. And sadly, sadly, I actually uh, my friend gave me uh, the Jungle Book on vinyl, and we had no record player, so I went down to the shop and I swapped it. So I think I I should have kept the Jungle Book. Right, indeed. Adam and the Ants—they were pretty big for you, were they? They were, yeah. Adam <laughs> and the Ants. Yeah, that's when I started uh, putting on the makeup and stuff around six. Yeah. <laughs> and when you came to Dublin then at 17 and then you got like the the, the, the publishing deal at 19 the record deal at 20 were you hanging around that famous um, international bar with Dave Murphy's crowd? Yeah, that was more or less the kind of college. Yeah. I, I actually did spend time in the rock school in Ballyfermis um, and, um, but the real, for me the real education was the busking in Grafton Street and then every Tuesday we would go to the international and you know, Christy Moore would call in, Glenn Hansard was there, there was like Luca Blue was part of it, um Paddy Casey, just loads of loads of Nina Hines, all these great yeah. uh, great talent. Damien Dempsey, you know, and you're kind of um for me it was just a great great I mean it was religious to me, you know. But also like then the record companies like they're cruel and they're ruthless and they drop about seventy bands and you happen to be one of them and it's just the yeah. way it goes. Like the Britpop revolution, was that kind of coming towards the end and getting in the way of what you might have been doing? Well I, I was actually stuck right in the middle of it because mm. around nineteen ninety six so I was kind of signed to Epic uh, Records part of Sony in London, you know, and I was spending all my time in London and I just felt like how's this Irish guy, how's you know because you kind of have to be very British to kind of get through all of that. Yeah. And um, I used to say I wasn't Britpop, that I was Shamrock, you know. That was my, uh, uh, I used to ask me, what, so what type of music do you play, you know. So um, it was a weird time, but, you know, that's, that's the way it happened and so you have to deal with it. Okay, well, take me back 20 years then. I'm jumping forward in some ways from what we've just been talking about. Because 2001, uh, the Witness mm. Festival, which was like the precursor to Electric Picnic and all these things. Mm. Wit- Witness, you play the song July and there's 20,000 people or whatever. Mm. Do you suddenly realise this thing has more legs than I ever realised it could have had? Yeah, well, like I didn't really like the chorus to the song at all, to be honest. I just thought it was a bit throwaway, a bit simple and a bit annoying, to be honest. And, uh, you know, it was just unfinished, but but it was... It, it was funny because um, I was—I used to fly over to London every day, every uh, six weeks, and meet up with a record label and give them my cassettes of my demos and stuff. And um, surprisingly, the A and R guy at the time was saying, "Well, this July one, this is a good one," you know. Uh, and I was like, well, "What about the chorus?" But anyway, I used to watch people when I was playing, playing like little open mics yeah. around that time. I'd watch people if they see if their feet were tapping on the floor, and I could see that July was definitely. Uh, something to keep my eye on and all my friends went down in Burr who would be extremely honest with me uh, when I'd go home and we'd have a you know jamming session and one of the lads McDara pointed out to me um, you know that song is a good a good one watch out you know so it's it's the foot tapping test and what about Barack Obama was he was he foot tapping in the White House 
Yeah, well, I think his ears were kind of wagging a bit, but um, um, yeah, I mean, listen, I've, I've I've been so lucky to have July and all these other songs to take me around the world and that. And uh, yeah, the only thing, my only regret about meeting Barack Obama is that I forgot to say that I was from Offaly as well. Hey, right, of course, yeah, exactly. And also, by the way, did you did you help the guys out and say seriously, the PA system in this White House cheap? Oh yeah, I just said it was rubbish, and um, it was weird. I had. I have a Mexico sticker on my guitar. I had to cover that up. There's all these weird things, but I was talking to a fella beside this big glass door uh, at the side of the stage. Lovely man. I thought he was part of the security. Turned out he was uh, the now president, Joe Biden. So uh, that was very strange. He was like, yeah, you keep telling me all these Irish stories. and um, Very strange. Ignorance uh, can be bliss sometimes. So you know? were having a great chat with the security man who turns out to be the president of America yeah. right now. Yeah, because oh, yeah, they go, next we have the vice president. Yeah. And then your man walks off. All like, right. Whoa. <laughs> That's the guy I've just been talking <laughs> yeah. to. Okay, yeah. so, I mean, the, the other one, I mean, Galway Girl. I mean, like, what, mm. what was all that about? I mean, there you go. Like, I mean, there's an amazing thing on YouTube where you're doing it all with Sharon Shannon and all that in the middle of the street. Yeah. Tell me about that. And even the making of that, there's drones going all over the place. Yeah, so um, the uh, this uh, Polish chap, I can't remember his name now off the top of my head, Camille, I think is his name. He came up with the idea that the song was uh, so so big and well-known that we would shoot a video for it on Shop Street in Galway. And I think it was part of their application to be European City of the Year or something, right, yeah. something yeah. like that. Anyway, I had... I, I had no idea what the hell was going on. I was just told to be in Galway on a certain day and Sharon would be there. And uh, so she arrived down and, my God, there was just like, you know, thousands and thousands yeah. of people on the streets. Uh, it, was, it was wild, but the thing with with Galway Girl, it was a complete accident. I was a big Steve Earle fan. I love Americana music and stuff. Um, but me and Sharon happened to be on the radio, which was being uh, broadcast from Roshan Doves one night. And they asked me, would I do a duet with her? And they suggested Galway Girl. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. That's, that's about right. And then the next day I woke up, everybody's like requesting the living daylights out of it. And uh, it was like a happy accident, you know. And what what has Steve, Steve Earle himself said about it? I mean, like it was number one for about five weeks and it was used in an ad, wasn't it? Was, was the Steve Earle one was used in the Bulmers ad or was it yours? Yeah, well, they're actually Bulmers rang me and they asked me, could they use my song? And I said, listen, to be honest, uh, you it's can, but it's Steve Earle's <laughs> yeah, not sorry about that. <laughs> and then I was like, there might be problems there because he's anti-drink, uh, uh, drink, I think, right. and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, he went for it anyway in the end. But uh, um, yeah, no, it was cool. I mean, the funny thing is there's no artwork or anything for that for, for Galway Girl. There's no right. picture of me and Sharon. It just became, because of iTunes, you know, if you put up, a belch on iTunes and enough people bought yeah. it, it would be number one. Well, you know? the, fun, the funny thing is, like, it was the biggest selling single in Ireland in 2007, but was it also the biggest selling for single two, in Ireland in 2008? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the most downloaded song for two years running. And uh, I listen, it's been mad. You know, I'd be walking down the, the street and people's phones would, it would. It became. It was number one in the ringtone charts, for God's sake. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'd be in a shop and you'd hear someone going, doo, 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 and you're like, oh. But I think the song kind of kind of miffed a few of my, uh, a bit of my following as well because it's not, not very indie or, you know, it's a little bit, probably too popular, you know. No, but one of the things you did, which I think is fantastic, I remember the Beatles did like German versions of I Want to Hold Your Hand and that. Did you do an Irish version of Galway Girl? I did, Colleen yeah. Nagalieva. Colleen Nagalieva, yeah, no, I did, and, um, it was it was weird because I did it with a drum machine and the drum machine there's it didn't work out too well but uh, <laughs> um, the drum machine was like you know four four and this, this girl girls skips a beat every now and then just to 
do do its thing. But um, yeah, there's a version out there of it in Irish. Yep. And is it, am I wrong about saying um, Mexico? Was there something to do with a Mexican version or something? Or uh, uh, Mexico? Joe Dolan covered Mexico. Yeah. Okay. So he covered yeah. that song by you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fair and that was like for me. Now that was a pretty pretty, pretty cool vibe. Yeah. You know? and, and actually, also Johnny Logan told me that he learned my version of Galway Girl, and he had a hit with it in Denmark or somewhere. All right, listen, oh, what, what, like, while we're mentioning other names, and by the way, people might have memories of Monday's July, of course, give us a text, 51552 is the text. Um, like, just, you know, Sharon Shannon, um, Damien Dempsey, Shane McGowan, of course, the big, your first gig that you ever saw was the Pogues, wasn't it? Or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and you know, it's amazing, uh, I saw them in Shinron when I was 14. Yeah, that's about 10 miles down the road, is it? Yeah, yeah, exactly, and... Uh, Myself and my daughter are out for a drive last night in Fairytale, New York. She's only 12, she loves it. And uh, I said, you know, I, I got to play that with him about, you know, five or six times at least uh, with Sharon Shannon because he joined uh, our tour a few times um, over the years. And that uh, was what a, what a huge moment for me it was to be playing on Hold that Hold on time. a second, I can drop one now too. I, I, okay. I, I heard that as a demo tape because Frank uh, Frank Murray brought it up to my house when they were ma- making the thing before they put any strings on it. So oh, you got to listen Lord. to this. We finally have this Christmas song together. It's taken ages. And we listened to it once and said, oh yeah, now let's put on the other stuff. <laughs> I mean, wow. it's great. It was just one yeah, of those yeah, times. I believe they wrote that as a, as a bet without Yeah, fellow, something it? like that. Yeah, yeah, I bet yeah, you yeah. couldn't write a Christmas song. Yeah, But other names yeah. I want to mention here. Um, like, you know, the, the, Nina Pearson, did you what with her did, did you tour <laughs> tour with the band or no no they, they came to Dublin so she would have been on the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack as well with the yeah. Cardigans and she came to Dublin to do a show with a band called A Camp A Camp yeah that's right yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, she needed somebody to sing a duet with her um, called Golden Teeth and Silver Medals or something weird like that and yeah so um, she got in touch with me and uh, we, we sang a duet together but um but then I sent her a song to see if she'd do it and that, and she never replied to me. So thanks, Nina. Yeah, but when, yeah. You, when you mentioned Steve Earle there and you like an Americana, would it be fair to say that you might have thought that it was English music you might have liked? And then you do a covers thing and you realise about an Emmy Luce, uh, Harris song on it, Lucinda Williams, Neil Young, Bob Dylan, and you suddenly realise, wait a second, I'm much more interested in US music. Yeah, well, I've always kind of known that I, my, my heart was into that uh, side of the, the uh, pond, really, um, like from from the from the beginning, like Neil Young, Muddy Waters, REM, yeah. they're all my favourite bands. You know what I mean? So, but it was funny when I went down. I just I was sitting in the studio one day to make up some B sides, and I just started playing all the songs I knew, and they were just all American. And I said, right, covers album, because uh, yeah. uh, we were on we were, our second baby had arrived, and uh, inspiration was not hopping out of the uh, the sky as it used to. So I said, the covers album is the way to go, and it was a lovely project to do. You know. It's, very enjoyable. Did did Steve Earle thank you for what you did? Ah, yeah. I mean, he he he, gave, he put a lovely quote in um, in the English Times, just saying that you know he wrote the song and they played the song and whatever he said, but it wouldn't have become you know uh, as well known as it was if it weren't for me and Sharon. And yeah. uh, you know, he, he was cool. I went for I've met him a bunch of times, and we went for a meal one evening um, before he played the Olympia. And, yeah, he seems to be very cool, you know. Well, getting back to the song then, Monday, I mean, July itself, um, you know, at what point in the career was July? Which album did you say it was again? Which one? So, uh, 24 Star Hotel. Right, so, second one, was it? Yeah, so the second album, it took forever to kind of... It, so, uh, I recorded that in 1999, got dropped in 2000. It took me a year to get the record back, even though I knew I wasn't on the label anymore. 
Um, and then I put out, I put out as a single in 2001 as a double A side of Mexico, and it didn't get much traction. But it was really from the festivals um, that people started to request it. So it was the kind of the power of the people, really, you know. Because mm. um, you know, it's not 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 that easy to get songs on the radio, really. Um, you just have to be lucky, you know. And um, sometimes the people do the do the requesting, and then that's the power of it. Yeah. And what about yeah. the last couple of years? What have you been up to? Um, so well, very difficult for everybody. Yeah, the last two years have been very tough. But I've been trying to. I was saying to someone, I've been trying to make it work for me rather than making make, making me work for it. Um, so I've loads and loads of like uh, half finished songs now. I've got three or four recorded now. Uh, I'm doing a bit of work with Gavin Glass at the moment. All right. And um, we've, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've we, we've um, yeah, I've got three or four on the boil there, and I did a song with a guy called End the Gallery. He was under the name Delush. Um, so I'm just hoping yeah to put out a record next year. I mean, it, it, this will be the longest between any of my records now by the time I, I get to put one out. But uh, I think there's a lot of stuff out there anyway, so I, I'd hate for it to get lost. Yeah, here's a text here. It says, why are you not mentioning to you I bestow? We did mention to you I bestow because we mentioned yeah. Romeo and Juliet and that. And uh, uh, what, 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 what was Gin and Tonic Sky? Which was which? They were all around the same time, were they? Yeah, Gin and Tonic Sky and to you I bestow were all on the first album. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I, I, it was 25 years old this year. I, I did a couple of sold out nights of Whelan's at the Celebrator with the old band. It was amazing. And by the way, I've got the new t-shirts out today that say kiss me and tell me it's not broken from the song to you I just go and uh, you can buy them on my website fantastic and what, what's the website uh, monday.ie oh, they're, actually, monday. they're actually sweaters and they're deadly here's one here that says oh god I should read these texts before and I don't know what this might say but it just says July was our first dance at our wedding happy memories of my husband with two left feet spinning me around the dance floor at the Dun Raven in Adair in County Limerick best wishes from Claire and others as well listen Monday good man yourself and good luck with the next album and thanks a million for talking with us you're and very welcome Dave Fanning weekends on 2FM